Good evening. I'm Corey Morgan. Welcome to the Western Standards, The Pipeline. This is the weekly panel show where we hit on the top news issues and dissect them with a few of our personalities from the Western Standard newsroom. And we've got a few good ones to cover tonight. I'm going to start, though, by getting the important things out of the way as well and talk about one of our sponsors, because this is why we can do this show and this is how we stay independent, folks. We are one of our best sponsors. They've been around for a long time is the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. If you are interested in taking part with firearms, if you have firearms, you enjoy firearms, or you just respect the rights of others to have firearms, you need to be a member of this association, guys. It's It's got all sorts of resources on their site, actually, for everything from upcoming firearms shows to sporting events. But as well, they lobby on your behalf as a firearms owner because there is a government that's trying to take away your right to have these if you don't stand up for yourself, you will lose your rights. So check them out. Google it, Canadian Shooting Sports Association, or go to the website you can see on the screen there, cssa-cila.org. Check them out and you'll see it's well worth taking out a membership and investing in yourself. Okay, before we get into the subjects, I'll introduce who I'm sitting with tonight. I'll start on the far end, actually, since he's not always here as a, one of our panelists, our news editor, Mr. Dave Naylor. How's it going, Dave? Good. Back by popular demand, I hope. Yes. Uh, I mean, we were just overwhelmed with that fan mail with your absence last week. And uh, our opinion editor, Mr. Nigel Hannaford. Full of opinions as usual. Well, you best be. It's pretty dull if we wouldn't uh, put those forth, but they're always well-received. Even if not always mm, agree not with. always, actually. Well, no, uh, we just, you know, shuffle know. through the responses we, and the emails. and yeah, uh, We have a ways. Pick which we like and which we don't. We got some stuff to share some opinions on tonight, though. Uh, big one. I mean, this is uh, gonna obviously going to be a large part of, of Premier Smith's you know, entire tenure in office. She's taking on the big one. She's taking on healthcare. This is something that I think makes most Premiers, you know, break out in a cold sweat at the prospect of... Uh, dealing with i mean it's canada's sacred cow that that, that health care system that nobody's allowed to do anything with aside from injecting more money into it and uh, uh, perhaps you know further entrenching the inability to change anything with so she, she came out with a large release today as uh, the title says a creative destruction at alberta health services so she's she's not uh, taking a minor approach to things she's she's diving right in uh maybe dave i'll start with kind of the news end though uh, what, what did you gather from uh, the conference today well she promised to do it and uh, said she would and she did uh, today i can't take my glasses off dramatically like nigel does because i wouldn't be able to see my notes but uh, uh basically uh, ahs uh, uh, doesn't exist anymore it's it's probably better known as alberta hospital services as opposed to alberta health services uh, under the restructuring uh, ahs is only going to be responsible for hospitals and, and acute care uh, and they've set up a whole bunch of different other cylinders uh, they've got one on continuing care, and they're basically going to be lo looking at seniors' homes, and uh, and they're going to be in solely in care of them. They're going to be a primary care network, uh, which is basically going to their goal is to link every Albertan with a family doctor, and there's going to be a separate mental health addiction silo, and they're going to be uh, uh, focused on what they call recovery-oriented care. Now, the uh, entire uh, Alberta Health Services Board was, was fired fired earlier. They named a new head today, uh, uh, Lyle Oberg, who was a former uh, education minister uh, back in the day. And back in the day, Nigel, you'll remember uh, it was Oberg who fired uh, Daniel Smith 
as a Calgary School Board trustee. Well. So uh, I guess it's one thing that shows, it shows Smith doesn't hold a grudge. Certainly does. And, so, uh, yeah, so a massive reorganization uh, today. And, uh, you know, this is what the uh, the Daniel Smith government will be judged on in, uh, in four years' time when they go back to the polls or in three and a half years' time. Uh, she campaigned on it. She delivered. Uh, didn't take long for the uh, NDP to uh, say the world is ending. Uh, and uh, the uh, NDP was joined by uh, the likes of uh, Gil McGowan, uh, who also predicted the end of uh, civilization as we know it because of this, and, uh, and, and the AUP uh, doctors, uh, you know, they said as long as we're getting consulted and have a big say in what's going on, uh, you know, they'd be okay with it. But uh, uh, as usual, it's the, uh, the usual suspects complaining and the usual proponents proponing. That's a word. Great. Well, so Nigel, I mean, you know, speaking of political capital, I mean, this is a big investment. I mean, there's no going back once you're ready to try and take on that that behemoth of, of health care. Uh, Premier Smith doesn't appear to be uh, afraid to dive right in. I mean, I, I imagine this is going to be the first step of a lot of work she's going to do in the next few years. I would say, well, it's, you know, after the energy security thing, this is the biggest thing on her plate, no question about it. And um, and just sort of going back 20 years when I was on the editorial board of the Calgary Herald with her, she was very aware of all that anyway. Uh, she, like this is something that she, she's wanted to uh, address because Alberta Health has always been this massive, it's like the oil tanker that takes like 10 miles to turn around. Uh, it's huge, it's monstrous, it doesn't respond very well to the touch of the wheel. And, you know, like bureaucracies everywhere. If you ever watch that show, Yes, Minister, you, you, you're okay, you're with me, right? <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's one of those where sometimes they do some good work, but basically it responds to the, the priorities and the interests of the people at the top of the pyramid. And that, of course, is one reason why she got rid of the board last year. Uh, it wasn't working efficiently in her judgment. I think she was probably right. But you're still left with this with this oil tanker, you know, and now you, she has one captain in the person of Dr. Cowell instead of a committee trying to steer it. Well, that was helpful. But in the end, it's just too big to focus and, and get the job done. So she's breaking it up into four in the way that uh, Dave described. But, you know, the problem for anybody, whether it was Danielle Smith or whether it had been somebody else who wants to reform that agency, is that the unions have it by the throat. And you'll notice that the AUPE spokesman who came out shortly afterwards and said, you know, the, the world is ending, uh, AUP President Guy Smith responding right afterwards is that um, the Alberta government, here's the solution from the unions, the Alberta government should implement wage increases. Ah, Okay, focus on greater job security, so if people aren't performing very well, you can't get rid of them, and improve staffing levels. Well, thanks, that was helpful. Uh, you know, these are the very reasons we got to find a way to do more with less. And uh, probably it's going to mean a lot of, it should mean, it ought to mean, 
that a lot of administrative jobs would get kicked out and the money reallocated to people who can actually put a sticking plaster on a wound. Frontline workers. Well, that's something that's been said a long, long time. I mean, it's always been the buzzword. You know, they always couch it with Jason. Premier Kenny used to always say that too. It's the frontline workers. It's the frontline workers. But they were always afraid to actually take on the behemoth that was yeah. the administration. And uh, this is different. I mean, I, you know, it used to be regional boards. So I, to when I heard, you know, the plan was to break it up, I kind of thought maybe she's going back to that, which I thought, it's mixed. I mean, we've already been there. But no, this is different. It's breaking it into different specialties, which I think leaves a lot more room to give your rationale to say, okay, you don't fit into the current model. You've got to go away. You don't fit. And I know I'm not celebrating the loss of jobs of people. We know there's been a lot of inefficiency and, and we could probably do with a, without a heck of a lot of those people who are in that bureaucracy. This is perhaps a bit of a... Uh, I mean, the premier, premier stressed today that uh, there would probably be no frontline job losses. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, how many vice presidents did the AH have? Like 27, 28, something like that, mm -hmm. if not higher. Um, ironically, I had, a, I had a, a visit this morning with my family doctor uh, who did unspeakable things to me, Nigel. I just won't... Uh, speak no more. No, I'm not going to speak <laughs> of it anymore. I'm still... I'm still traumatized. But, uh, Your knuckles are still a little white. A little Jason. white, yeah. yeah. Well, little Dave, you don't even like going to the dentist. Right? No, no, I don't. And no cavities, by the way. I'll say that for my yeah, British well. uh, British teeth. Uh, but I, I find that once you're once you're once you get into the system. There's no better system in the world, you know, once you get an appointment with your specialist or, or whatnot. But you getting into the system is, is too difficult for, for a lot of Albertans. And I think that's what, what some of these changes are, are aimed at doing. So, so AHS, as they were, does, doesn't have to deal with the mental crisis. They just have to deal with, you know, delivering acute health care. Yeah. And as long as they can focus on that, it can't help but improve, surely. You know, I, I'm not sure I 100% agree with you about there is no better system once you get into it. First of all, you are correct that getting into it is difficult. Well, you're into it once you see your general practitioner who says, yes, you've got something. I need to refer you to a specialist. Oh, when would that be? Next week? Oh, no. No, it's uh, down the road, no doubt. It's going to be a long time. And once you get to the specialist who's, you know, taking appointments for six months out, and, I, and, I, and please don't do this, ladies and gentlemen. I know there are some of you who will be saying, six months, what are you talking about? It was nine months from GP. It was a year from GP to specialize. We know. I was trying to be generous. Um, but, you know, um, once you get to the specialist, well, then you're looking at another lengthy period of time. So there should be, I, I noticed that there are other countries where this is not the case. And they're not all the sort of the socialist utopias that uh, that you might expect. Some of them are pretty hard-nosed countries where, you, uh, but they 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 found a way to get it done. Uh, that's what we need to do in Alberta is a find a way to to get it done. Yeah, and it's it's certainly the it's a, it's the province's biggest expense, yes. and we're not getting we're not getting any better outcomes than, mm -hmm. than other jurisdictions. I know Corey's talked about it on his show that, that you know, you look over, there are other ways of doing it uh, that seem to produce better outcomes. Well, there certainly are. And, you know, the, 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 the one that struck me as the most likely to be effective was the one that Ralph Klein, God rest his soul, Ralph Klein did a lot of good things, but he brought in Bill 11. The third uh, way. Yeah, and, you know, and it, uh, there that meant that you couldn't start a private hospital in Alberta 
we should have opened the gates to private health care, brought them in, and then had a bidding war to get the to, to get the procedures done that needed to be done. You know, I, I was traveling some years ago, ended up in Jordan of all places, and uh, driving down the street, I couldn't help noticing the hospital, hospital, clinic, clinic. That little country has built itself up an enviable reputation as the place to go to get treated quickly. Jordan, you wouldn't think so, would you? But there, there it was. And they drew their trade from all over the Middle East and Europe. And, and they've done exactly what we should have done in Alberta. They have attracted the medical profession to come and set up right there. And now, of course, it's... Uh, uh, same things happened in Mexico with, the, with the dental work. Algodones. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're just across the border and you see nothing but dental clinics. So, and you see nothing but Canadians lined up in front of them. That's, well, that's right. And it's, uh, and it's not that our dental service is so bad. I mean... You make an appointment, you go in, you get done, but it's just that it costs you about yeah, three expensive. times what it costs you, and you can have a holiday for what you save on the trip to Mexico, so they tell me. One but, other thing, though, Dave, sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, we're, we've, we've started the process, but it's like drip, drip, oh. drip. We're okay, now you can go to a private clinic and get your, your eyes done or uh, your knees done or your hips done, and it, it all gets billed back to Alberta Healthcare Services, and in theory, that should shorten the wait list for everybody else doesn't seem to have cut it tremendously but you're right you know if we'd have done what uh, you know uh, instead of bill 11 done the opposite and attracted private uh -huh. hospitals we would have been in a lot better position than we are now one thing though uh and Corey, <clears throat> I, I mean i guess we all remember lyle oberg from his for, that's a good man i like i have some confidence in this knowing that he is the the point of the spear on this now. Yeah. And I remember one thing about Lyle, it, I mean, it, it shouldn't matter, but somehow it does. This was the guy, he was an MLA at the time, driving to Edmonton, comes across a road accident, gets out, somebody's, uh, you know, in serious condition as a consequence. He's a doctor. Gets out, he does what doctors do. Fixes the guy. Actually, he did what first aid people do, but got the, the fellow stabilized and, and into an ambulance and on the way to where he could be properly looked after. And there's something about that ability to be hands on, if you have to be, that to me gives uh, there's, there's a certain amount of confidence in, in, in having somebody who, who can do that and respond quickly to an emergency. Uh, sitting at the point of the spear on uh, on Alberta Health. Yeah, and the Twitter reaction today has noted that he's a proponent of private health. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I time. believe it was a Vietnamese clinic he was involved in at some time in the past, or something like that. I could be stand to be corrected on that, but he'd, he'd done other work once he'd left government on things like that because people. I mean, that's part of the reality of what's happening. It's not just the rich seeking care outside of the borders; it's the desperate. It's people. You know, somebody say, "Oh, you you need this heart procedure." Within four months, or there's a 50% chance you'll die, we'll schedule you in for six months from now. Well, person in that circumstance, they're going to refinance their house. They're going to borrow from friends and family. They're going to sell the household dog, whatever they have to do, and they'll go somewhere else and don't get sell it. sell the dog. Well, yeah, it depends on the dog. <laughs> I got one as a real jerk. But, uh, <laughs> not the wonder dog. Not Duke, no. no. But, but either way, you know, people are, are, are leaving and the dollars are fleeing. I mean, there's some of the things that I think the, the purists with our public system need to understand. The two tiers are already there. Why not keep the dollars here? Why not keep the specialists here? But can we get to that 
with the drip, 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 as Dave said, or does Daniel Smith need to get in there and rip that Band-Aid off and let's have this fight? Because it's going to be a fight. They're, they're going to battle every possible private mm -hmm. uh, inclusion of anything provision-wise on every front. Well, it's interesting. When you look at the proposed timing of this, he's doing some things as soon as this spring, and then it's in the fall, and then it's 2024. So what's ripping off the Band-Aid Terrible pun, given the nature of the discussion, uh, Corey. Well, but, you used plaster earlier. I wasn't uh, sure if all of our viewers would <laughs> understand that. But, you know, this is going to be tough, and she's getting it done early in her mandate. And hopefully, and, I mean, hopefully for her, but hopefully for all of us, she can make this thing work the way it's supposed to work. Yeah, and, and then it's not going to be an election issue in 2027. Exactly. And then in 2027, if she wants to campaign on ripping that Band-Aid off, that, that would be sure, something that she consider, and she can look back and say, "These are the successes that we've had." Hopefully, and we're seeing some political tactics. Another name that she added to her list of people, I saw Stelmac coming up in there as well, uh, former Premier Stelmac. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's showing that she's willing to bring in a coalition of people that she differed quite strongly with before. Yes, Oberg fired her and Pollock and the rest from the dysfunctional yeah. school it, board. It was, it was Premier Stelmac uh, who brought in the, the the super board, who got rid of the the regionalized. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, healthcare authorities, and he was asked today, you know, you set you set up this big thing, and he basically said, yeah, it's just grown too big. It was a good idea at the time in 2008, uh, but it's grown into a monolith now that is is like the your proverbial oil tanker. Yeah, you know, it's just it's got to be split up. And that might calm some of the red Tory element, I guess you could say. And we'll, we'll tie that in when we talk in our next subject pretty quickly as well, because you got a party that still has some that are clinging to the progressive conservative notion of things and and some who still self-identify perhaps as, as, as Wild Rose. Uh, Premier Stomach was most certainly of the progressive conservative uh, past. I mean, so having him on board is, is, is keeping those members realizing she's she's getting input from, you know, more more... Well, to that end, it's sort of interesting that she reached out to Jim Dinning to, uh, on the Alberta pension plan. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, all these, it's like everybody who ever did an editorial board with the Calvary Herald is now being put to work in the Alberta government. It's just... Uh, it's, uh, well, they're going to be lining up trying to get in for what's left of the editorial board of the Herald. Well, days. yeah, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't she's, think they have an editorial board, she's, she's, No, no, but she's relying on uh, people that she's known in the and they're and they're mostly people who are pretty uh, high profile in their time so yeah. it's uh, it's kind of nice to see to see how that's coming along yeah they're experienced connections i mean it's not a case of nepotism you know it's her second cousin from over here or uh -huh. somebody who helped on a campaign over there these are these are well-established uh you know figures within alberta with some, some experience under there yeah, as mentioned oberg fired her yeah. Yeah. So. got over things yeah so let's Turn and uh, go to where we spent last weekend, which was at the uh, United Conservative Party AGM, the first one since uh, Daniel Smith got elected as premier in the general election. Huge, huge. 3,700 and change attendees. Uh, and I, I think from my perspective on the ground, for, for that many people, it went off quite well. Biggest Canadian political convention in history. 3,700 people was... Uh, it was incredible, uh, you know, all the women coming up to Corey and... and oh, he was magnificent. Oh, it was yeah. unbelievable. It, it made... Was, it uh, was that, that deodorant that I was wearing. It's irresistible. Yeah. Uh, she gave a, a, a keynote... Sponsorship. Yeah, the, the keynote speech on Saturday where Alberta will be the, what, the shining light on the hill. Uh, City on the hill. And, yeah, and... Uh, mm -hmm. 
biggest applause that she got, a thunderous standing ovation, was when she said that she would be standing up for parents for parent rights. And the uh, one of the proposals of, of 30 on the weekend was that, that uh, uh, parents have the right to know before teachers start changing genders on kids at school. And, and I think that passed utterly unanimously. And uh, it was certainly uh, the rest of the uh, the rest of the uh, resolutions were were about giving more power to individuals and and to parents. And uh, I think everything every single one of them except school vouchers passed. Uh, so it uh, you know David Parker take back Alberta. He's certainly taking the credit for it. Uh, he got his person elected as uh, party party chairman or party president, whatever the whatever the position is, and beat. Uh, Rick Orman quite handily. Uh, so yeah, I think it was a, a hugely successful weekend, uh, both for Take Back Alberta and for Danielle Smith and the UCP. Well, I 100% agree with you on uh, that, that it was a tremendous success for her. But now she actually has to act on that thunderous applause that you described. And, they, and it was kind of, in, uh, you know, we went up to the presser afterwards, and the, she was asked about that. And she kind of got a little bit, from my point of view anyway, she got a little bit uh, watering her wine a bit. And when yeah. she said, well, yes, but we, you know, obviously that's what we think, but we have to balance other interests. And, uh, you know, our economist, John Hilton O'Brien, uh, jumped right on that and said, look, when you're talking about parental rights, who are the other stakeholders that you have to balance the interests with? Surely not the teachers and surely not the advocates for things that you don't uh, don't agree with um now you're right she did get massive thunderous applause those same people will turn on her if she does not deliver what they thought she, she was delivering at that very moment. Now, to be clear, none of these resolutions are binding on the government. They're sort of guiding principles. That is true. And, and she, at, at that press conference, uh, she was asked if she would bring in legislation similar to what Saskatchewan has done uh, protecting parents' rights. And you're right. She, I mean, it's, she does not want to get involved in this because it's such a political hot potato with the the activists uh, on the left. So she didn't commit to bringing in, in legislation. And as she said, she's got to be premier for the entire province, not just the 3,700 UCP members. Yeah. I can get why she just wouldn't want to touch it at all. I mean, it's just a hot button, but it's perilous. And as, as Nigel was, was kind of hinting at, and of course, Mr. Parker is always happy to point out, he'll rip her down just as quickly and fast if she doesn't move ahead with the agenda as as he has uh, taken part in, at least uh, contributed towards with, with Premier Kenny in the past or members of the board, uh, it's a th threat that sits there. I mean, to define the balance, you can't let yourself be wagged by, by TBA, but at the same time, when the members have been so clear on at least one subject, yes. she should throw that red meat to them. I mean, that's one of the ones that's been polled quite often. That seems to be where the activists and the unions overstepped. When this is going to public polls, even left-leaning people tend to say, you know, my relationship between my children is between me and my child, not the teacher and my child, not the principal and my child, not that activist and my child. It's myself. And that's where they're trying to shoehorn themselves. I mean, we saw that Toronto Star piece. It was just odious. It was basically saying parents don't have the right to raise their children. And people, you know, they're saying, who's ever questioning your right to raise your children? Lots of people are. They're doing it every day, actually. And the teachers unions yeah. are, are behind that push. It wouldn't surprise me to see uh, Premier Scott Moe call an early election specifically on this issue. 
because he is getting a lot of pushback from the from the lefts and the unions. And despite the fact that all the polls show it's overwhelmingly supported by by Canadians. So uh, here's my prediction. Look for Scott Moe to call an early election on. That'd be a good one to dig up the, the archives of this one if that happens, because that's, that's quite a prediction. Uh, don't tell Derek. There'll be another. There'll be another pool on the last door. Well, you know, when, when will when, when will he call the election? election? Yeah. No, I look. I, to be to be fair to the Danielle Smith, I think that she actually does have very genuine libertarian tendencies, and then you would understand. Oh, I yes, think you, that's very much, we're, we're on yeah, very similar pages yeah, politically. So, so, so she would take the view that, look, I mean, you have to let people be what they are. But what the parents were applauding and what the parents are absolutely sure they don't want is somebody else trying to tell the kids what they should be. Um, anecdotal evidence is always dangerous, as as we know. But in the context of this discussion, I was just relating, a parent told me uh, that there was a, the class that their grandchildren were in, everybody was happy at the beginning of the year. At the end of the year, half of them were confused. So what something is going on, because, you know, we all remember what it was like in school. We were confused about a lot of things, but never about this. <laughs> it was uh, usually algebra. It was usually algebra. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so anyway, uh, look, she's um, the premier is on is definitely riding a tiger on this one, in my view. And um, we'll have to see how she deals with it. But um, she, if she decides to follow the line of Scott Moe, she's not going to make any mistakes. Yeah, I mean, we've we've heard stories about uh, how kids in mass in certain classes are all of a sudden deciding they're not the gender that they were born. Oh, yeah. So we have to we have to accept that activism is alive and well in the Canadian school system. Uh -huh. And it, it's only going to be through legislation that, that stops it, in my opinion. Well, I, and I think it can be read both ways. And I do believe moderate, rational people, some that still wouldn't vote UCP, for example, still as parents, wouldn't like it if in the classroom that their child was taught by a very socially conservative teacher and perhaps the child confided to the teacher saying i'm you know i think i might be gay i'm having feelings towards uh you know people of the same gender as myself and that teacher cracked down and said absolutely not you're wrong you're going to burn in hell oh, you know taking that stance with the child that's another violation getting between the parent and the child on, on something that's very personal and you know i'm just saying that this can cut both ways i, I think most people can support just parental authority even though some parents will screw it up at times, it's still paramount. I mean, it's not; that, it shouldn't be that complicated. But you know, Corey, let's let's say that uh, let's say that a parent does screw it up. There is a way of of, of dealing with it. You have a, a child complains to their teacher that mom and dad are against them in in this area. Okay, there are authorities who can you can go to. And the investigation can be launched and see who said what unto whom. And under certain, cir certain circumstances, you can have a criminal prosecution. Depends what we're investigating. What you shouldn't have is a little quiet pipeline uh, that doesn't involve the parents at all. Where they never get a chance to answer for what they're, they're being charged with. 
And it just takes the child away in a totally different direction and nobody even knows. Well, and they're impressionable. I mean, it's a turning point for kids, particularly when you get 12 to 16. You're, you're pissed off at the world. Often your parents, you're, you're, you're finding yourself, mm -hmm. you're rebelling against, you're not even sure what yet, but you're ticked off at it. And uh, yes, you can be led in strange directions. I think right now it's a fad. It's, I want to stand out. I want to look different. It used to be a kid dyeing his hair purple or putting a clothespin through his ear, you know. Now it's, oh, I'm, I'm going to change my gender. But I mean, it'd be interesting to see how many of the ones identifying right now, once they hit 18, 19, are still identifying as trans or perhaps have settled back into it. Well, that will be interesting, Corey, but the problem is that if, 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 if there aren't some breaks on all of this, some of them may have done things that are going to... Well, that's the biggest concern, the irreversible <laughs> things such as... Yeah. Uh, transitioning uh, puberty blockers and uh, or even surgical intervention. That's why we need to stop this, this activism. And I think the pendulum is now starting to swing backwards, slowly but surely. They, they overshot, I think. That's what I mean. It's, it's people, I think, instinctively, again, even if you're a far left person, it's you and your children. You've taken on that role. Most, most people take that very seriously, and they want to instill what they feel are their morals and values and, and hopefully you know good concepts mm -hmm. among the children we can differ on what the parents feel is appropriate or not but very few of them want another authority to get between them and their kids is as strongly as they might feel about unions or activists wait a minute that's me and the child not not, not you guys getting in there so if it turns into a <laughs> storm it probably will whether she likes it or not Premier Smith's very smart. I, I, she sh should be able to navigate these waters. I think she'd be less clumsy, perhaps, than Premier Mole with the, the whole thing. And he's been faring quite well with this. Yeah, and, there, and there was a big protest outside the UCP convention, I think, 10, 11 people. Maybe so, even a dozen. Yeah. You think 12? Well, yeah, okay, I, I couldn't take my shoes yeah. off to count. So, because uh, uh, I failed algebra, I, yeah, I'm not very good in math. So, yeah, it's, it's a vocal, vocal minority, but a minority they are. I think the other thing about that uh, convention was that um, she felt free to to talk the language of Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. I mean, you were you were talking about the city on the hill. Well, that's actually a Ronald Reagan quote, and I don't think it was original to him. But the point was that he he brought it forward again, and that was his vision of, of America. And and uh, Daniel Smith has a vision of Alberta as being an extremely attractive place for people to come to. She's talking about massive population growth, but she uses words like freedom. Mm. When did you last hear a politician talking about freedom in the sense of personal uplifting freedom as opposed to freedom to be a victim? You know, she like she's really. Uh, Elevating, elevating the, the, the tone of the conversation. And it was a short, but somewhat punchy <coughs> speech. It was only 20 minutes. You know, sometimes those could, I think Premier Smith, or, I mean, Kenny used to go for a good 40, 45 off, and then get sort back by the time it was going. But, but I mean, she, she was unapologetically conservative in it, which was refreshing. I mean, she came out of the gates calling out socialists, unions, <laughs> um, and, and then putting out, you know, kind of a little bit of a poke at them. We won. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. So do you think we have another Maggie or Ron on our hands in the making? Well, Tom will tell. We'll see when the battle begins. I mean, it's one thing yeah. to, to start the, the fight. It's winning it is when you'll see whether yeah, you've got uh, somebody ready to take on the air traffic controllers or the uh, other strikers. Because uh, that's what that's where the battle is. It's the unions. It's, it, there's, there's no 
getting around it. That's that's the bastion. That's where the strength of uh, Rachel Notley has been. And somebody needs to take them on rather than uh, catering to them all the time. Yeah. No, this is as in health, so in education. These are the two big, big areas where they've become totally dug in. Which is interesting because, I mean, one of the most effective <clears throat> ways perhaps to defuse the unions might have been a full-out voucher system, and that's the only policy that failed. Yeah, I was surprised by that, actually. I thought that might uh, might pass, but it, it failed. It wasn't. It was a close vote. I think it was the only one that they actually had to count by hand because all the other ones were so overwhelmingly uh, uh, for the affirmative side. Uh, but yeah, I was surprised it got voted down. But as you said before, whichever way the vote goes, it doesn't bind the government. No, exactly. So they can Smith, still bring it in if they want. If Smith wants a, wants a voucher system, she can bring that in. Yeah, and they're doing it sort of differently. Everybody knows what a voucher system is. Yeah. Well, yeah, your, your average person probably doesn't dig much in so, on it. So, I mean, very briefly, they, they, the government is going to spend a certain amount of money on your, on your child's education, so you just go to the nearest school. Well, another method of saying, okay, your education is going to be worth this much. Take this chip, go to the school you like, give it to them, send your kid there, and the school will turn the chit in to get paid. There are some schools who would do very well on that, and there are some that would be deeply and sorely embarrassed. <coughs> and I think it's because of the danger of sore embarrassment that the education system, which hates to be measured anyway, mm -hmm. is very, very against this. But there are certainly some, some schools that, um, if they're doing a good job, why, why not put a little force behind them? And I think there was the suggestion <coughs> that uh, you maybe take a look at starting it with daycares and send the, send the money for daycare to the, day, you know, yeah, follow yeah. the child, so to speak. Well, well, see, how, see how that works and then maybe expand it into the, well, into the school system. Some competition. I mean, letting parents vote with their voucher. Would, yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly. But that's what I mean is in a way to take on the unions. Because one of the problems with the, the heavily union environment, union, unionized environment, is you'll get some teachers. I mean, some are probably worth twice what they're being compensated. I mean, it's a tough, important job. It's an art that I, I can greatly admire those that can do it well. But we know there's always some who are just mailing it in as well for a good pension. And uh, if a school's been overrun by the second bunch, mm -hmm. they're not going to get many students. And the unions know that and they fear that. Uh, likewise with standardized testing, that's always one of the biggest things they love to fight. Don't you dare test those kids because we might actually start to see which educators are effective and which aren't. But that's a saying that we should stop weighing kids because then we'll find out which are obese and which aren't. I mean, you can't treat the problem until you test. You know, Corey, we got a great column running on uh, Friday. Uh, I think it's Friday. Murray Lytle, anyway, writes for us now and then. And uh, he's an engineer. He was actually a commissioner on the National Energy Board. But uh, he went through a patch where he was looking for a job and he decided, well, maybe I, I should take my engineering credentials and go be a teacher. And, um, you know, would you like would you like your kids taught by somebody who was a professional, had, had the kahunas to get a professional engineer and uh, become that and to, and to know how to put a pipeline together, like that kind of expertise and knowledge? What happened, and he describes it in the article, that, like I say, I think it's coming out on Friday. <laughs> they wanted him to take a two-year course to become a teacher. And this, of course, is the two-year course where the teachers get indoctrinated into the union mentality and the union set of priorities <clears throat> and the way that they, the woke way that they want to teach the kids. And it would be, uh, it would be one of the better things that the education system could do, in my view, is to make it easier for accomplished professionals who had something to offer 
to engage in the education system, whether it was for a one-year sabbatical or whether it was for you know a career midlife crisis, whatever it was, uh, you know, let people who have real knowledge of the of the of the hard world in which we live come in and educate kids if they have a wish to do so. Anyway, check it out. Looking Friday. forward to reading that one. Yes, yep, Murray Lytle on Friday. Absolutely. Okay, well, and things that broke. Yesterday I saw that uh, pop up. I didn't expect it. I didn't know it was coming. It sounds like we've got quite a celebrity appearance coming, Dave, and, and uh, our premier is going to be sitting down with it. We did. Uh, it wasn't a surprise to us, but we were able to keep the secret. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, Tucker Carlson coming to town. Uh, is it next January or February? January the 24th. January 24th. Uh, uh-huh. Arguably the biggest media star in the world today. Uh, as you know, he uh, got fired from Fox, and that's going to cost him hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm sure. And he set up shop at, uh, on Twitter, where his uh, shows get tens of millions of, uh, of uh, viewers every every single time. It's ratings that Corey can only dream of, Nigel. Got a ways uh, to go, yeah. Got a, got a ways to go. Yeah, he's going to be uh, coming to Calgary for a, a thing at the convention center. He's going to be going to be a moderator, uh, Brett Wilson, Calgary uh, businessman and uh, philanthropist and guest on Corey's show uh, regularly. And uh, yeah, he's going to be sitting down and chatting with Premier Daniel Smith. So yeah, the ink had not dried on my enter button uh, when I published the story that uh, left-wing heads were exploding all over the country, uh, led by our friend uh, Gil McGowan again. Uh, the world is ending, Gil, uh, followed quickly by Rachel Notley, or might have been vice versa, Rachel Notley saying that the world uh, was ending. But it was it was the left-wing media, too, that were jumping all over it, uh, led by the Globe and Mail's uh, Kelly Kreiderman and uh, Andrew Coyne, uh, who called out uh, Premier Smith for, for daring to sit down with this, this right-wing individual who holds controversial comments. And what is Daniel Smith thinking? So... Just typical, Nigel. Typical, yeah, of course. Well, I mean, first of all, that event is going to be sold out by the end of the week. It's not until January, but that is going to go so fast that if you are thinking of getting a ticket, by the way, we are a sponsor, are we not? So, and we are offering a VIP uh, package to uh, members. And we are offering a VIP package to our members. So let's not forget that. Uh, but if, if you have any, uh, I would say that if anybody had any wish to, uh, to go to that, they better get their, their name in right away or else get very tight with somebody who's bought a table yes. already. So that's or enter our draw, become a member, or enter our draw. And well, they're already winners if they are, they are Western that. They are but that. now there's. There's a benefit to beyond yeah, being the, installed the, with direct access to all our fine writings. You know, I, I, for a person like Danielle Smith, the opportunity to sit down with Jordan Peterson, as she did, to be on, what is it, this hour has 22 minutes yesterday, and chat things over, hang out with, with Tucker Carlson. Boy, I would I would say that alone would justify all the effort that uh, she went into becoming premier of the province. You know? <laughs> Just on a, uh, her personal enjoyment, I guess, if she's a fan of Mister Carlson. I mean, Premier Smith's not afraid of sitting down with much of anybody. I mean, people can complain about a lot of things, but she's been extremely accessible. I mean, she sat down mm. with the Pembina Institute. Yeah. If I was the premier of Alberta, you wouldn't be able to drag me into your rotten room, you guys. And then she, an- she answers curve. questions from the rebel and True North and. Yeah. 
and uh, counter signal. I mean, those guys aren't even allowed inside Jody Gondek's press conference. But they're at the top of the line uh, to ask questions on uh, Saturday at, at her press conference, and she answered them all. And uh, you know, she's not afraid of anybody. And I don't. She's not going to be starstruck by Tucker Carlson. She may enjoy meeting him, but. Uh, you know, oh no! She'll, uh, if if there's any giving and getting, she's going to get as good as she gets. Exactly, uh, and I'm sure it'll be an entertaining afternoon. Get away with anything, but uh, talk about what 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 is his four things? What is it? Uh, the, the sworn enemy, lying, pomposity, smugness, and groupthink. You know, well, if it's the pomposity and smugness, then I can see why Andrew Coyne doesn't like him instinctively. Don't I? <laughs> that's personified <laughs> two of the four things that uh, Mr. Carl stands against. But he's a polarizing figure. I mean, even among conservatives, sure. there's uh, some, some love-hate going on with, with Tucker Carlson. Uh, is it a bit of a gamble, though, for Premier Smith sitting down with him? Is there much to be gained? In, 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 I mean, I know she'll enjoy it, but, you know, she's always, always now in her role has to weigh the bigger picture of some of the stuff she does. I'll bet you that if you had been in a position to take a poll of that 38, 3,900 people, it's actually more than 3,700. Mm. They published the final figure. I think it was 3,972. Anyway, if you could have taken a poll of that room, that uh, it's just a bet, but I reckon that Tucker Carlson would have been, um, you know, media favorite for just about all of them. I have a few who weren't, but uh, in that room, but that it's room, not a risk to her base. It's not, it's the base. Her base is going to love the fact that she sits down with Carlson. As much as uh, the squirrels will be out there protesting outside of the center, probably, and they'll be screaming bloody murder. Uh, your average Albertan voter will have long forgotten it within four or five uh -huh. weeks of the, the event, anyways. And uh, that's the other thing. If you're thinking of going for dinner afterwards, make your reservation now. Mm. <laughs> Well, I'll be out of the country for of... it. I was kind of bummed when I saw the date. Uh, oh, no. Where are you going? I went on Arizona for a few weeks. Uh, change your plans. Hey, <laughs> did you know you're guest hosting the show for three weeks? By the way. <laughs> uh, this is how some have greatness. Uh, some are born to it and some have it thrust upon them. Something like is that, that how it goes? Yeah, yes. Okay. We'll, we'll work on that contingency right. uh, as, the, as the time nears. But yes. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's the usual negative Nellies, uh, you know, instantly condemning something and it's the negative Nellies and the, the left-wing media instantly condemning mm -hmm. something uh, yeah I don't see any, now, what else are they gonna say you know exactly I mean every time the premier speaks publicly there's a risk uh, it doesn't matter who it's to uh, if she slips up and uh, and says something stupid she's gonna get crucified for it and if she slips up and gets uh, says something stupid with Tucker Carlson, I can promise you we'll crucify her. Oh, yeah. uh, but the you know the left wing media will will be doing it much happier than we are. Well, that's some of it. I mean, I, I think part of what Carlson symbolizes or signifies for our legacy media members and why the Globe and Ms. Kreiderman got so upset. He broke away from legacy. He had his show. He was on Fox. He had his millions of viewers on there. Yeah, he didn't break away willingly. He was fired. But he resurfaced and is doing better than he's ever done before. Mm -hmm. I mean, the viewership is, is off the charts now. He's made an example showing, you know what? We don't need those old dinosaurs. We don't need those institutions. We can actually go to modern means of communicating to people now and get the messaging out. And I think that scares a lot in the establishment. I mean, it frightens them. They're in an industry, as you guys would know, you were in it before as well, that's just not going back to where it was. 
you know, when you talk about old dinosaurs, uh, I was just thinking about that press conference, and I was thinking, I said, my word, I'm 75, and I'm still there. And then up walks Don Braid, yeah. who's 80, and <laughs> Stuart from the from the Edmonton Brilliant. Journal, you know. And, I don't know. It's, uh, and then if you look around the room, who's who's standing behind uh, Danielle Smith? But some people of our demographic and our age, you know, we were speaking about Dr. Cowell earlier. We were speaking to Dr. Denning, uh, to, to, of Jim Denning and Lyle Wilberg, you know. It's, uh, mm -hmm. They can't put us out to rest. Uh, there's, no, no. But there, there's both and, and guiding as well. I mean, we had young Jonathan Bradley in line who, who put his, yeah. his questions forward to uh, uh, sure Premier Smith. And, and that was one more thing, actually, kind of going back to the convention. I, I saw... You know, and I've been doing a lot of them. That's something we always decry as conservatives. Not enough youth there. There was a fair amount, actually, of younger people evident at that uh, AGM. I was, uh -huh. I was quite happily surprised to see it. And that would probably have been their first political experience. You know, they probably joined up uh, just to come to the uh, the AGM. Yeah, well, I mean, that's great. It's, it's great that they're there in the room for the plenary sessions, but, man, you can't get near the bar afterwards. Uh, no, that is a problem. Uh, well, they're very much younger ones, yeah. <laughs> I'm speaking even people. I mean, in conservative meetings, sometimes you're lucky to have the average sitting below 60. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the old reform mm -hmm. meetings, that was kind of the reality. I know I was a young reformer. and uh, It was fairly outrageous that they, they only offered uh, Anheuser-Busch products. Except for maybe one, well, there was one, that one, one local, local craft, craft brewery. Uh, and that was really good, by the way. Yeah. I you know, for obvious reasons, that's what I chose. And it turned out to be, you know, you find out something good just by accident. Yeah. And, and I noticed you... the name of it was? No, I don't know. You, Corey wasn't there on Friday. You had to play the role of Corey buying women, you know, pretty women, glasses of wine and, you know... Well, it was, I mean, a, it was our, a thing of beauty to watch. You just don't get us to do it with our significant uh, yeah. others. I mean, our own Jen Hodson, why would you not? Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. And by the way, I would buy one for Kelly Crowderman too. I know Absolutely. we've used her name in vain a couple of times here, but she was a tremendous colleague with the Calgary. She's Howard written some great stuff. Right? She, yeah. has, she is a good reporter. She's a lovely lady and a good reporter. Yeah, a good reporter. So, yes. but I still like swiping at the legacy media when I can. If she wants to reestablish, you know, there's some great independent outlets she could uh, land within, perhaps if she mm -hmm. was moving along. The only other critique I had there was a lack of coffee, and I appreciate you going out to find some because those of us who need that regular caffeine, that, that was. I heard that from a number of people. Where can I get a coffee? Yeah, well, you don't know how far I had to. I had to actually break into the craft show up the corridor, <laughs> and I explained the situation, and they said, well, all right, you can you can go to where we're selling coffee. It's way down there, but you're not to look at any of the booths. <laughs> <laughs> Ice front. Ice front. Get some crafted blinders on you there. Oh, uh, oh well, it was still a sign. And thanks that. also to Christine Cusinelli, who came on and helped me carry the little back. You guys drink a lot of coffee. Eh, well, actually, I don't. And I, I, well, I guess I got just, you tea. I got you. I got me too. Tea. Was, all right. Yeah, yeah. I'll close out with one thumbs up to that poor, uh, beleaguered pair of security guys who kept trying to stop people from entering through the exit <laughs> doors, watching him. Uh, uh, doggedly trying to keep those conservative, uh, stubborn folks in order. And uh, I'm not sure how we're doing on time, but this is our last show before Remembrance Day. Yes. So I think we would be remiss without uh, saying God bless all the veterans and uh, and uh, let's uh, remember the fallen on Saturday at uh, the 11th hour of the 11th day. And, uh, you know, we're only able to do these type of shows because of the sacrifice they made. So God bless Absolutely. them all. Well, Came at a cost. A perfect way to close out the show. We're wrapping up right now. So uh, yes, to those veterans uh, still out there, thank you for your service. And 
uh, you'll have nothing but my appreciation for those who have already passed. So thank you all for tuning in today, guys. Uh, well, we covered a lot today. We'll cover a lot more next week. So be sure to tune in then and uh, I'll get out there to one of those Remembrance Day services. Thanks. Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms, regulations and legislation in Canada, and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people. You become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.